Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Meet Yabu Esiama, a vegetable farmer at Jinyase, a suburb of Kumase. He has been farming a portion of this 28-acre vegetable farm for the past 12 years. But he says this year is his worst. Now the business is bad due to the COVID-19. About 60% of our produce go waste. We are unable to sell to schools, restaurants, funerals and events who are our main customers. Though we are still growing, selling them is the problem. Customers used to come for supplies every day, but now they come after four days, by which time the crops are rotten. Yabua used to make 2,000 cities profit from a 500 cities investment in this farm. Now, he can hardly make 1,000 cities. He and 28 other farmers who cultivate this land are unable to sell their produce because suppliers are reluctant to buy. Because the market is bad, we are unable to quote the price we want. So the buyers determine the price, and if you don't agree, the crops will go waste. Sometimes we sell as low as 8 cities or 10 cities for a bed of lettuce that could go for 30 cities. We are even forced to throw them away and sometimes plant new ones. Meanwhile, 
the prices of the seats are also going up. Their main clients, schools, restaurants and hotels are not operating due to COVID-19 restrictions. A bed of lettuce that used to sell for 30 cities can hardly go for 10 cities now. The buyers attribute this to low patronage of vegetables on the market. Give to your boy is a buyer. I already buy it. I'm a human coffin. I buy from the farmers and supply to traders on the market. This period is the peak for vegetable sales, but the market is bad now. In a day, I used to sell about 300 CDs, but now I struggle to sell 100 CDs because of the ban on social gathering and events. April to June is the peak period for vegetable producers. Hotels and restaurants used to purchase the bulk of their supplies. Ifwa Jimfwa, CEO of Royal Ameta Hotel, for instance, used to spend about 50000 on vegetables around this time. Sometimes you can have a week-long program. And if you have a week-long program and you have a full house, then, of course, going to buy so many groceries. In a month, you buy over vegetables and Provisions uh, for the hotel, it hovers around 50,000 a month or more than that. But people who are going to the market to just feed the ordinary people who are going to buy for uh, domestic consumption are not many as a hotel or a restaurant will be going to buy in bulk. The woes of the farmers has been compounded with the increasing prices of vegetable seeds to almost 100% because most of them are imported. Closure of the borders plays a major role. The vegetable industry is now struggling, but if restrictions are more relaxed on the hospitality industry, events and schools, the situation could improve to address wastage in the system. Prince Apia reporting. And that was Prince Apia with the true effect of the coronavirus on the vegetable business across the country, especially in the Ashanta region. And in the Joy Business Report, our one with me, Charles Ayadi headlines, shipping lines lament difficulty, loading clients' data due to poor clearance challenges as they push for financial and legal immunity. Also, governments to extend full telephony service to rural communities by the end of the year as more farmers and some rural communities struggle to communicate with their partners to aid the businesses. For more news, do log on myjohnline.com forward slash business. Coming up next is George Ado Jr. with the locker room to stay. As we continue to fight COVID-19 together, EcoBank offers you several ways to stay home, stay safe, and take control of your finances. Use EcoBank Mobile whenever, wherever, with or without an EcoBank account to send money through SMS and email. Also buy airtime, pay bills, and much more from the comfort of your home. For high-value transactions, use our internet banking services. EcoBank QR code enables you to make cashless digital payments when paying for goods and services. Download the EcoBank Mobile 
mobile today from the Google Play Store, App Store, or from our Facebook page. Additionally, dial the short code star 770 hash from any phone and start transacting. Ecobank cares. Remember to observe social distancing, wash your hands frequently, and don't touch your face. For further assistance, can we call Ecobank Contact Center on 3225 anytime, any day, toll free. Stay home, stay safe. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. on the BBC World Service for the very best of previews to the sporting weekend. Listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Adu Jr. The Spanish La Liga is the next big thing to spark the usually dull sporting weekend these days, and there's plenty to talk about with a pile of games to come. Llorente, he shoots again and scores again. Well, he's the super shot tonight for Atletico Madrid. Lead in the charge. Ben Yedder's got Navas to his right. Navas inside the penalty area. Navas shoots, scores. Sevilla, as we were talking about the prowess of Barcelona on the counter-attack in Sevilla. An overhead kick, it's in from Bale. What a goal from Gareth Bale. Messi takes it down on his side, shoots and scores. Wonderful, wonderful. Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid will feature in football's return in Spain. The fight for the title amongst rivals continues. The race for Europe even gets more competitive and the relegation tussle gets murkier. We'll be in Spain to preview the opening weekend of games. Talk the English Premier League's return next week and head to South America to monitor plans to get football back on its feet. Also coming up... He ruled the heavyweight division for a decade and tonight... He seeks the return to championship glory. From Kiev, Ukraine, presenting the two-time heavyweight champion of the world, ladies and gentlemen, Madame Anuntan, Tommy Gaspada. Out of the blue corner with his trainer, Rob McCracken. 
He's wearing white and officially weighed in at 17 stone. 12 pounds, 2 ounces, or 250.1 pounds. All England, he is the reigning, defending, undefeated IBF heavyweight champion of the world, AJ. We'll talk boxing on the show because the pugilistic sport did return days ago. In Las Vegas, but the traditional ring walks were not met by cheers and jeers, and there was no crowd noise to drown out the winces of pain, while the sound of punches landing were crystal clear. So, how do we deal with the new face of boxing? Analysis ahead. If you'd like to send us a message on any of our topics, we'd love to read them via social media accounts on Facebook, Joy slash 907, on WhatsApp, 0244340437, and you can tweet at us at Joy Sports GH. In tennis, Roger Federer will miss the rest of the 2020 season after having a fellow operation on his right knee. We discuss what this means for the finest player in the sport. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adi Jr., and welcome. So, surely this is a sound of Preview Friday. A big welcome to you all. Let's say hello to our sponsors who are making this possible. And remember, you can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line, 0244-340437. So, in the current era of football draft, Star Times brings you live matches in HD from the German Bundesliga. Watch all the live games at Bundesliga in high definition only on Star Times. Yes, it's ongoing. Stay safe at home with Star Times for the best from the world of football. Get the Star Times full kit, decoder dish kit. Cable LNB Plus one month free Super Bowl case subscription for only 140 Ghana CDs. Right, you have to enjoy now. Pay your monthly subscription from as low as 20 Ghana CDs from the comfort of your home with our new USSD codes. We're talking hashtag or we're talking star 1010 hash for MTN and for Vodafone users, star 389 star 9 hash for all networks, star 17. Zero hash for MTN users only, as well as Star Times on app, MTN Momo, and Star Times dealers across the country. Call a hotline on 0242-437-888 for assistance or reach us on WhatsApp number 0553-511-933. Star Times, enjoy digital life. And just as we told you, our six-day countdown began last night with a special edition of the PM Express. We're continuing today with the locker room Massive previews to all that there is. We talk about the Spanish Liga. We talk about the English Premier League. We'll step into Brazil and South America to find out how football is looking to return. And there's more coming your way on the sports link tomorrow. We've got the sports arena. We've got the sports track. We've got sports today. At the moment, we've got some special polls ongoing on our Twitter handle, at JoySportsGH. You want to check that out quickly. And you can follow us as well on MindJoyOnline.com. For those of you who missed last night's show on the PM Express with my colleague Gary Al-Smith, Head on as well to our Facebook page and you'd love to enjoy that. Now, though, let's get to the locker room and start with our previews. We'll start with boxing because we know football is back, but same as boxing. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. The fighters are in the ring and they are ready. So for the record-setting sold-out 90,000 fans here at Wembley Stadium and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble!
Ladies and gentlemen, meine Damen und Herren, Tommy Gaspada. He is the reigning, defending, undefeated IBF heavyweight champion of the world, AJ Anthony. So boxing was back in Las Vegas for the first time since the coronavirus outbreak, back behind closed doors and not as we know it. At a deserted MGM Grand, undefeated American Shaco Stevenson stopped Felix Caraballo in the sixth round. Promoter Bob Arum said he incurred $300,000 of costs in order to deliver the fight night as he was unable to sell tickets. His top-ranked organization had to create dining areas for quarantined fighters, private rings where they could each spa and also offer testing and accommodation. So how do we adjust to the new normal amidst the announcement of some big bouts already? And joining me for some analysis this afternoon is the BBC's boxing reporter and commentator, Adi Adedoin. Thanks, Adi. It's good to have you back on the locker room. How have you been coping? And I hope your family's great too. Yeah, we're very well, thank you. It's been a challenging time for everybody, really, with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. We've had to change the way we work as well because of social distancing rules and have to spend a lot of time working away from the office. But as more and more sports are now starting to resume behind closed doors, you know, it's not long before Premier League resumes. Boxing in the UK will resume in the next few months as well. Uh, So our working pattern is starting to change. But I suspect it's going to take quite a few months if not till perhaps early next year before we go back to some kind uh, of normality but hopefully you know we're over the peak of this uh, pandemic now so are they boxing is back just as football but not the way we know them can you take us through how the initial bouts were organized the medical protocols and i'll be happy if you can describe the scenery with our fans yeah, so the first major bout in the United States happened earlier this week, actually, in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Uh, it was put on by Bob Arum, who also promotes Tyson Fury. And I interviewed him uh, before the bout, and he said, you know, he has been in boxing for nearly half a century, pretty much since the Muhammad Ali days. And he says this has been one of the toughest promotions he's had to put on because of so many unknowns. Um, he had to create what he described as a bubble at the MGM, where... No members of the public were allowed in that area, and it was just for the boxers. And they had to stick to a very strict protocol of only leaving their rooms for designated training. They had to be tested regularly to ensure that they weren't carrying the virus. And it turns out that Michaela Meyer, an unbeaten American boxer who was due to be the co-main event and face a Nigerian boxer called Helen Joseph, ended up testing positive for COVID-19, even though she didn't have any symptoms at all. So very, very disappointing for her. Uh, and disappointing as well for uh, Bob Arum, you know, because he says obviously she's missed a, a big opportunity to fight uh, and return to boxing. But he says it also shows that, you know, the protocols in place are working. But he says, you know, going forward, that's pretty much the way they're going to do it. No fans in the arena, very, very limited uh, members of the media there. The promoters at that bout earlier this week weren't even in the arena either. They were in a remote booth. You know, that's, these are the kind of precautions they have to put in place. And he says he hopes that by the end of the summer, they can start thinking about putting on world championship fights. And depending on how the restrictions go, they might be able to include fans in the arena. But for right now, uh, that's the protocol they're going to maintain. No fans in the arena, skeleton staff of media in there as well, because, you know, you just can't take any risk, really, as far as this pandemic is concerned. Bob Arum incurred huge costs for the round of fights and did add in an interview with you earlier 
that he could close up shop if there were no relief soon. This is Bob Arum of Top Rank. What then is the fate of average promoters around the world if this persists? Yeah, so this is a, an interesting question. So Bob Arum has a television deal with ESPN. Uh, you take Eddie Hearn, who promotes Anthony Joshua. He has a television deal with Sky Sports. Uh, Frank Warren, the other prominent promoter here in the UK who works with Tyson Fury, he has uh, a deal with BT Sports, another television company. So that provides a source of revenue for them. You know, because you've got to remember, you can't have any fans in the arena, so there's no gate receipts. So if you are a promoter without a television deal, then it's very, very difficult for you to survive at the moment because if you were to put on a show, you're not going to have any money from, from the paying public coming in. You're going to have to pay the fighters. You're going to have to introduce all these protocols to ensure the fighters are safe, which is obviously costly. Uh, Bob Arum told me it was costing him $300,000 per show. So if you're a promoter without a television deal, to put on something like that, you're going to be losing an awful lot of money. So right now, I'm presuming a lot of promoters uh, who don't have these big deals really can't work. So it's a very challenging time for them. You know, and they'll be hoping, as I say, that you know, we're over the worst of this pandemic and we can start to return to some kind of normality where fans may be allowed to go into the arena. Because until then, um, I don't really know how they can survive. Ade, what have the boxers been saying? I know promoters and managers are looking at the financial details of which the boxers, of course, benefit. But is there a sense they'll feel safe coming back to fight? Yeah, so I've spoken to some boxers who have welcomed the idea of fighting once again because they need to make a living. If you are Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder or Canelo Alvarez, who has made millions and millions of dollars from the sports... Financially, you're okay. Obviously, you miss doing your job and doing the thing that you love, but financially, you will survive. If you're uh, at the other end of the scale, a boxer just making their debut, for example, or in the early part of their career, you need to fight to effectively survive. So fighters of that ilk are saying they're willing to take the risk as long as the, the, the safety measures are in place because they need to earn a living. Equally, though, I have interviewed some fighters who've, who've expressed a bit of concern. Uh, Heather, Heather, Heather Hardy is a, a former world champion from New York, and she said, you know, the situation in New York uh, has been really, really tough. Very, very difficult uh, protocols in place that they barely go out. You can't certainly train. So as far as she's concerned, she said, you know, fighting is, is the last thing on her mind that she, if she was offered a world title fight, wouldn't take it because she feels she's not in shape to do so. And, you know, she wouldn't want to take the risk because she's got a child as well of potentially contracting the virus and then, you know, it, it impacting on her family life. So I think mixed opinions uh, about this. So, But, you know, I guess each fighter has to make a decision and weigh up the risk and, you know, the reward at the end of it. So, yeah, it's a difficult time, really, and some tough decisions for the fighters to make. Ade, before I let you go, British World Heavyweight Champions Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury have agreed to fight or have agreed to a two-fight deal according to the promoter Eddie Hearn. I know so much goes on before such bouts finally materialize. So where are we in the process and how soon do you expect this bout? So the fact that Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua have agreed uh, the financial terms in principle is quite a big hurdle, really, because 
if you think about negotiating big fights, this is often the point where the negotiations can sometimes break down. You think about a few years ago, it looked like we were getting close to about between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Wilder wanted a 50-50 split. Uh, Joshua's camp didn't, weren't in agreement with that. And ultimately, that and I guess other factors resulted in the negotiations breaking down. So the fact that they've got to this point uh, is a positive, but... Eddie Hearn, uh, Anthony Joshua's promoter, has warned that, you know, there are still a lot of obstacles to overcome. You've got to remember, um, Anthony Joshua has mandatory obligations to fulfill. He has to face Kubrat Pulev, who is the mandatory challenger for uh, one of his belts. As far as uh, Tyson Fury is concerned, you know, he's got to go through this trilogy fight with Deontay Wilder. He's contracted to do so. Otherwise, it will end up in a legal battle. So those fights don't have to happen. And realistically, they've got to happen in front of an audience and at the moment boxing is returned behind closed doors so we're probably talking towards the tail end of next year of this year before those fights can happen or maybe early next year which would then mean that if Deontay, if Tyson Fury gets through his fight and Anthony Joshua gets through his fight we're probably talking at the end of next year at the earliest before that fight can happen but the fact that they've got a deal agreed in principle means that once their calendars are clear uh, it should be no problem making this fight. And it, it'd be a, a huge fight. Certainly, perhaps the biggest fight that Britain has ever seen. Thanks, Adi, for your time on the show. Take care. We wish you the very best of luck. Adi Adidon is a senior boxing commentator and reporter at the BBC. And surely that gives us opportunity then to switch into football. There's tennis coming up as well. Remember, you can still send us your messages and you can do so via Facebook page, Joy Sports or Joy slash 99.7. Now, it was great to see those lovely football scenes once again, especially so far as the Spanish Liga is concerned. Real, I mean, Real Betis and Sevilla in that special derby. Now, let's get into the football. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. He shoots again and scores again. Well, he's the super sub tonight for Atletico Madrid. Leading the charge. Ben Yedder's got Navas to his right. Navas inside the penalty area. Navas shoots, scores. Sevilla, as we were talking about the prowess of Barcelona on the counter-attack in Sevilla. An overhead kick, it's in from Bale. What a goal from Gareth Bale. Messi takes it down on his thigh, shoots and scores. So, Spanish La Liga resumed some 24 hours ago with a special derby between Real Betis and Sevilla. And the two games scheduled tonight with a fest in four hours between Granada and Hetafe. There are 11 rounds of games remaining in La Liga with Barcelona leading the table by two points, clearly ahead of bitter rivals Real Madrid. A minute's silence will take place before each game in memory of those who have died during the coronavirus pandemic. So, let's talk about the La Liga weekend in prospect. And joining us now is Spanish football expert, Guillaume Balagi. Guillaume, this is a very busy time for you, I admit, but we're grateful for your time on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. Uh, stressful in a way to get here because there is lots to do before it all starts, but uh, it's here. Uh, very well, Guillaume. We saw the special derby last night. Two more games tonight. How is everyone in Spain feeling with the impossible weeks ago happening now? There has hardly been 
opposition to the return from the beginning and you must understand the process here it's been led by the head of la liga javier tebas controversial as he is he has actually been working really hard to paint a picture from the beginning of the possibility of returning even before we thought it was possible he was reminding everyone that not returning could cost clubs 1 billion euros and that there were around 185,000 people that worked directly or indirectly in the football industry and jobs could be lost. By the way, uh, Javier Tebas' brother is part of a scientific team in, in the United States that is preparing a vaccine, so he's always had first-half information and he's always been a step ahead of everybody else. Um, unlike England, it wasn't a perfect process, I don't think. I mean, managers were never consulted. Uh, BAME players have not been heard at all. They haven't been in opposition at all, not even a discussion on it. Uh, and La Liga uh, team Eibar wrote a letter, I think it was like a five weeks ago, signed by players and coaches talking about fear and saying that they, they, they shouldn't be tested before frontliners and that they should only play when it was really safe. But the wave of acceptance for a return was so overwhelming uh, that, in, that it was impossible to stop. Uh, La Liga protocols were always very detailed. In fact, they are now being followed everywhere, including Germany and, and the Premier League. And uh, as I said, Tebas is such a uh, visionary from that point of view, a step ahead. And now he's even talking about having fans as early as the end of this month as part of the, you know, of, of the return of football. So, Guillaume, what are the plans for that? I mean, getting the fans in there. How is Tebas planning to do this? No, we don't know yet. But we don't know the percentage. But when the state of the alarm ends, and that possibly will be the 21st of June, and the lockdown limits are abandoned, apart from, you know, washing hands and, and the mask and social distancing, uh, fans could be accepted in the stadia because the government doesn't rule then. It's just the local authorities. And the government are saying, yeah, hold on, when everybody's in the same phase of, of easement, then maybe. But actually, that could be as early as the end of the month. And for as long as the local authorities allow it, the La Liga is saying, come on, 30% perhaps. They were actually planning 30% of fans uh, um, at the return of the league, which has already got a date, and that's the 12th of September. Next season will start the 12th of September, and they were talking about 30% of fans then, maybe 50% in November, December, and 100% in January. So we, I, I'm reacting to it, perhaps like you are when you listen to this. Are you crazy? No, 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 yet, no, yet, no rush. But it's always been like that. Tebas comes out with something. We all go like, no, no, no. What, what you, you, you crazy? But he obviously has thought of it before coming out with that kind of uh, of a statement. Game. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. However, problematic while applying the principle in some parts of the country, because we accept not every city in Spain is on the same page with respect to recovery. Won't cities with better recovery have an advantage then? Well, he's created a debate because, as you as you suggest, uh, there there will be places and that have got, for instance, the Canary Islands and the Balearic Islands are a phase ahead everybody else, so they will get closer to the new normality earlier to the new normality than the rest of the country would. And then Las Palmas or Mallorca could actually accept, accept fans. La Liga is saying, well, if they can, why stop it? And the government is saying in, in what you are suggesting with your question, which is like, how about integrity of the competition? Why some can and others cannot? But that um, decision will be taken out of the hands of the government. And uh, Tebas, uh, and this is the head of La Liga, 
used a word, uh, integ uh, integritis, as if it was an illness. Those that defend, like myself, like you, that, uh, come on, everybody should have the same rules. Everybody should have to just the same conditions. He says, maybe, maybe not. Maybe some people can do it earlier, but go ahead. Do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to push us into the new normality, if you like, and go, again, a step ahead, because he thinks there won't be terrible danger if fans return to football in about three weeks' time. That's his thinking. Right, let's look at the league table now, because it looks pretty familiar. At the top, it's tied between Barcelona and Real Madrid, of course. Competitive in the Champions League places, but it's an absolute tussle in the relegation dogfight. Well, Barcelona-Madrid separated by two points, 11 mm. games to go. Uh, there is a fight there, obviously, and uh, and everybody is happy that there's been a break because Luis Suarez has come back from injury, long-term injury, five months, but also uh, Hazard and Marcos Asensio as well. So the dream team at front of um, of Asensio, Hazard and, and Benzema could actually, you know, could actually start being put in place which hasn't been able to. Then there is a battle for the Champions League, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, Atletico Madrid, Valencia. There will be four or five teams battling for that. And as you say, six or seven teams uh, trying to avoid relegation. There is only one team, I think, that's playing for absolutely nothing. That's Granada, right in the middle. Really happy to be away from everything. Uh, from the dogfight, there will be, yes, every single team involved in the competition still playing for something. Thanks, Guillaume, for time on the show. So let's head to South America now and find our plans for football to return in a region badly affected by the coronavirus. So when does football return to Brazil? That's arguably a hugely significant question for a country whose culture, the way of life, is intrinsically linked to the sport. By now, the National League should have been underway. Rio's famous Maracanã Stadium has been converted into a field hospital. South American football expects Tim Vickery is my next guest as we navigate the soul Brazil and South America. Thanks, Tim, for your time on the show. So, what is the situation in Brazil then? Because we have had suggestions that football could return this month behind closed doors, perhaps with fans returning in July. But all sounds pretty optimistic when you follow what's happening in the country at the moment. Indeed, it's a, it's a giant country. Um, I think you have to say that the country's response to the coronavirus uh, will go down in the annals of human incompetence. And this is a, a country that had more time to, to prepare. So the situation is very, very bleak indeed. Uh, and so are the finances of the clubs. And you're dealing here in Brazilian football with a, with a business model that is precarious at the best of times. Uh, and uh, even before the enforced shutdown, uh, several clubs, uh, even leading clubs, were having problems paying their wages. So that means there, there, there's almost a, a sense of despair for some of these clubs to get back into action. Now, professional sport always walks an uneasy tightrope at times between being culture and being business. And the imperatives of business mean that there's pressure to get football back, possibly, probably, in some regions, before it is safe to do so. Tim, do you see some clubs completely vanishing then, do we think? Football, for all its precarious nature... Football does seem to be remarkably resilient, especially when those clubs are not actually businesses. Um, so uh, I suspect that the big clubs in Brazil, it's such a huge country, that the big clubs have so many supporters that it, it, it gives them a kind of resilience. And it just means what happens is that the, the, another, another row of zeros gets added on to the debt, but life goes on. I expect that to happen uh, for the big clubs. The problem, obviously, is lower down the scale because 
because uh, the lower down the scale you, you you go, the more dependent the clubs are on the paying supporters, the ones who go to the stadium. So if you lose that, that's that's a revenue stream. That's a huge loss. So uh, the, the worry, I think, is uh, not so much for the big clubs who will find a way to survive. It's whether the little clubs can keep going as professional concerns. What about football across South America? What is the situation more widely? It's an uneven situation because um, the success at tackling the coronavirus has itself been uneven. Paraguay, uh, which shut down very early, did very well, has a total death toll of 11. Paraguay will be the first national league to return. Uh, that's looking at, at the 17th of July, if nothing goes wrong before then. Some others are looking at the 31st of July as a comeback date, notably Peru. Now, what Peru is doing, now Peru, after Brazil, it's the second most affected country uh, in the continent uh, with uh, uh, around 5,500 coronavirus deaths. What Peru is looking to do is to take all of the teams to the capital city of Lima and play everything there. Um, that is, is won't be easy for many of the teams that play at altitude. Lima is is, uh, is a port; it's, it's, it's at sea level, but it does make it much easier to cope with sanitization procedures, uh, and it also cuts down the club's logistical costs. Now, that is an idea which could could well gain currency around the continent. Bolivia are looking at maybe doing something similar. The problem in Bolivia is that it's not as centralised as Lima, uh, as Peru with Lima, so there are rows about which city they might use as a neutral venue. And looking further ahead, uh, you mentioned the, the, the National Brazilian Championship, which was supposed to start last month. I would imagine that uh, when they are ready to come back in Brazil, it must be a temptation to take everything to a neutral venue in one of those regions of the country that has been less affected by the coronavirus because if, if they have to wait for all of the regions to be clear, that could be a long, long wait indeed. So that kind of neutral venue thing, that looks to be a, a mechanism by which the continent can get football up and running earlier rather than later and ease the financial strain on those clubs. Football in South America surely facing the same problem as elsewhere in the world. Thank you, Tim Vickery, for your time on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. And definitely there's more coming up. We'll head to England next. We'll be hearing from the BBC's John Bennett and Jim Beglin, who was on the show with Gary Al Smith. He did talk about one or two of those. Remember, he's a former Liverpool player himself. He did win uh, yeah, the Premier League. Um, that's the, the old Premier League. <laughs> Not the new one, but it's all good. Before we step into England, though, let's now try to learn a don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's about the medical protocols in England, in Spain. What really are the clubs required to do? Here's my colleague Moses Yabois with a wrap. La Liga, Spain's top soccer league, returned this week from a three month hiatus to not only complete an epic championship race, but prove to a sports staffed audience that it has more to bestow than Lionel Messi and the Barcelona Real Madrid rivalry. In an effort to do so, and with the need to pack 110 matches into five and a half weeks, La Liga plans to play every day between Thursday and July 19. Barcelona and Real Madrid will, as usual, draw the bulk of the global attention as a tight title race is in store, with Barcelona two points ahead of Real Madrid. In their first matches back, Barcelona will visit 18th place Mallorca on Saturday, and Real Madrid will host 16th place Eiba on Sunday. Atletico Madrid will travel to Athletic Bilbao. In order to maintain social distancing guidelines, substitutes and coaches' benches will be extended. Players must wear protection such as masks, gloves, and will change their kit at halftime. There will be fewer than 300 people inside the stadium for any La Liga match. A total that includes players, coaching staff, and authorized personnel with the post-match news conferences taking place via video or audio call. La Liga is the second major league in Europe to resume after the Bundesliga in Germany. England's Premier League resumes on 17 June, three days before Italy's Serie A gets back underway. On Wednesday, Aston Villa will take on Sheffield United and Manchester City versus Arsenal, which are both games in hand. A full fixture list will then be played on the weekend of June 19 to 21. All games will be played without fans in attendance. Players will be encouraged not to spit or clear their noses and not to break social distancing during goal celebration. There will be no ball boys or girls. A system of sterilized replacement balls will be used. There will be strict limits on those allowed into the stadium on March days and grounds will be split into zones, including the tunnel and pitch side. In total, only 300 people will be in each stadium, with no more than 110 in the red zone, including players, club staff and officials. There will be deep cleaning of corner flags, goalposts, substitution balls and match balls before and after each fixture. Players will have to hand sanitize when they enter and leave the field of play. On Thursday, the Premier League announced there will be minute silence to remember those who have died with coronavirus before the first matches. Meanwhile, players are working with the Premier League on a Black Lives Matter tribute, but details are yet to be finalized. All right, football returns on the returns with Joy Sports. So you stick with us all through. Now time to hear from the BBC John Bennett of the Joy Sports BBC Two-Way Series. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And the English Premier League finally returns next week. We know fans here 
are very much looking forward to the games. How would you describe the anticipation in England ahead of the big restart? I'm sure, George, that uh, the excitement is just the same as it is in Ghana, where I know you all love the Premier League. Yeah, we, we, we can't wait. Obviously, we're missing that feeling that you get, that sense of anticipation when you know you can go to the grounds, when you can go to the stadiums. Um, it's, it's a massive part of life. It's a massive part of tradition, going to see your friends, going to see your family at the, at the game, in the actual ground. But the second best thing is being able to, able to watch on TV and having our, our favourite players, our favourite teams back in action. We we can't wait. Obviously, there's a bit of trepidation. Life is very much not back to normal um, in, in the UK. Uh, we're still suffering from the effects of, of COVID-19. Um, life is still very different. Um, things are being opened slowly. But, but life isn't back to normal. So, so it will be a bit strange having the Premier League back. But I think it will be a lift. A, a lift for the nation is probably going a bit far. Some politicians have said that in the last few weeks. But, you know, not everyone likes football. But for people who do like football, this will be a huge boost. And, um, yeah, I'm certainly really excited about it. So medical protocols for each of the returning leagues seem to vary. Can we go through what's expected for every Premier League club when we kick off? Yeah, those are still a big talking point. I mean, I'll just run through some examples. When you look at the Bundesliga, players have to wear masks at all times except for during play. But in the Premier League, it's slightly different. Well, it's very different, actually. They won't have to, to wear masks at all, the players, even in the changing room or on the bench. Although the fourth official, as well as doctors, will have to. Strict limits on those allowed into stadiums. This is a lot like the Bundesliga, uh, where the ground is split into zones. Only 300 people in each stadium. No more than 110 in the red zone, which is where the players will be and club staff and officials. So, yeah, we have to keep an eye on this. Another thing to look out for, there will be no ball boys, no ball girls. Um, there'll be the multi-ball system, so loads of balls out on the side of the, the pitch. Um, the players will sanitise their hands when they walk in and out of the dressing room. The balls will be sanitised as well. So little things like that to look out for when the Premier League returns. But hopefully... Once the games get going, we, we as spectators kind of forget about that and we can enjoy the games. John, what has been the response of players and managers with regards to the fixture congestion, although that is thought to be relieved by the five substitutes per game rule? What have the actors been saying? Yeah, fixture congestion is a big issue. Obviously, everyone is concerned when it comes to coronavirus and potentially getting the virus but the players I've spoken to actually their biggest concern is injuries the fact that they're playing so many games they've had a big lockdown period where they were training at home now they've been back in contact training and now they're going to go back into game situations and I, I think many of them feel their bodies aren't quite ready so I think that's that's going to be a big thing to look out for we've seen Everton already suffer some some big um, injury problems goodbye man Walcott out injured I think this will be a theme in the first weeks of the season, first couple of weeks of the season, players getting injured. So the fact that we can have five substitutes, I think, is a massive plus. I just hope it doesn't slow down the game, that you're only allowed to make substitutes at certain times, and of many substitutes. So that, that helps, but I just hope it doesn't slow down the game. But certainly the players and the managers are really happy about it. Yeah, John, we know the Goodison Park and Anfield have both been approved to host Premier League games. How big is this decision for the Merseysiders? I think it's a big thing for the people of Liverpool, to be to be honest, because 
they felt a bit disrespected, a bit insulted by the fact that the authorities were basically saying, we don't trust you to not be, not go to the ground. We don't trust you to not gather and to not break social distancing rules. Whereas all the fans groups had said, we will not go to the ground. We will respect this decision. So I, I think for the people of Liverpool, it's it's a great thing. You know, we, we don't, it's not an insult to their intelligence anymore. And they, you know, the fans groups are saying they will stick by the rules. Obviously, there, there will be a temptation to head down to the ground when Liverpool eventually win the title. We've seen it in Portugal. We've seen it in Spain. Fans have gathered outside grounds in small numbers, but they have gathered outside grounds. So I really hope it doesn't happen because the Liverpool fans, fantastic supporters. And I, I hope that they can celebrate in a different way at home because we obviously coronavirus is still a big issue here I'm sure they will um, and yeah we, we're just waiting for that moment when Jordan Henderson will be able to get his hands on the trophy Finally John let's talk about the opening fixtures then very busy schedules over the coming weeks is Arsenal and Manchester City doing us the honest when we start let's go through the entire fixture list for the opening round yeah the first two matches are interesting aren't they Aston Villa against Sheffield United Villa second from bottom desperate for the three points to climb out of the relegation zone Sheffield United have been the surprise team of the season. They would move up to fifth place with a win. I've really enjoyed watching them play this season. I've enjoyed watching Aston Villa play, to be honest. I think they've been a bit unlucky. Sometimes their attacking strengths mean that defensively they're slightly fragile. We love watching Jack Grealish, don't we? The second match is the game that everyone's eyes will be on. Manchester City against Arsenal. And of course, we all know if City lose, that will give Liverpool a chance to secure the Premier League title by winning their opening match of the restart against Everton on the 21st of June. Can you imagine that? If Liverpool win the title by beating their local rivals, Everton. Everton will be desperate for that not to happen. On the opening Saturday, we've got Watford against Leicester, Brighton against Arsenal, West Ham against Wolves, Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. So some interesting games there for both ends of the table. And then on the opening Sunday, as well as Everton, Liverpool, we've got Aston Villa, Chelsea and Newcastle United against Sheffield United so it's going to be great there's so much football to watch don't forget Friday nights Norwich City against Southampton and Tottenham against Manchester United as well the Premier League's back George I can't wait to speak to you next week when we've actually had some games live on radio live online this is the locker room with George Addo Jr so let's do tennis now and it's all about this man History continues to be made by Roger Federer. Arms aloft. Title number 100. Masterful in the Magic City once more. For the fourth time, Roger Federer is champion in Miami as he picks up title number 101. A bit of magic in the magic box from Roger Federer. Wonderful tennis. The point of the match so far. Exquisite tennis. And that's what it meant to him. After all, he's achieved in this sport. Roger Federer will miss the rest of the 2020 season after having a fellow operation on his right knee. The 20-time Grand Slam winner had the initial arthroscopic surgery in February, but said he suffered a setback. 
with his rehabilitation. Professional tennis has been suspended since March because of the coronavirus pandemic. Federer has not played since losing to Novak Djokovic in the Australian Open semi-finals in January. Missed the majority of the 2016 season with a knee injury, but returned the following year to win the Australian Open and Wimbledon. So what's next for the greatest player of the sport? Joining me is tennis reporter and commentator for the BBC, Gigi Simon. Gigi, it's such a pleasure to have you this afternoon. And so, Federer has had this knee surgery after he suffered a setback with his rehabilitation following a first operation. But in all honesty, 2020 is definitely a great year to miss out, right? His timing was absolutely perfect. <laughs> Federer now has a chance to prove that life really does begin at 40 because he's going to be well into his 40th year when he next walks out to compete at the start of next year, all being well at the Australian Open. He had the injury setback with the operation on his right knee at the start of the year. The plan was to come back for the grass. That is where he believes he's got his best chance to picking up more titles, including at Wimbledon. As we know, the grass is not happening. The clay did not happen. And now he's undergone an estate today saying a quick arthroscopic procedure on the right knee. The other thing that may have kept him playing this year was the Labour Cup. It's an exhibition that some say, but his management company have shares in that. That's now being cancelled. So I think he was thinking, if we play tennis again this year, and it's still an if, it would have been the US Open and then a clay swing. And he probably thought, you know what, this is the time, sort the Mm. knee out and let's have maybe one final hurrah in 2021. There are arguments that the sport should be the main focus of things at the moment. The US Open and the French Open are part of that. Federer is really avoiding putting himself into this debate with the announcement this week. <laughs> is that the case? As cynical as it sounds. No, no, I'm with you on that. I, I think it's, it's very clever planning and timing. Novak Djokovic has called US Open measures extreme. How can you expect me to come with just my coach? It's not fair. Nadal has said at the moment, I'm not going anywhere near New York. He would want to prioritise Roland Garros, whereas Roger Federer is saying, I'm not getting involved. I'm not playing. I will get myself fit and healthy. The other things to think of is, as he will be in his 40s next year, the one thing missing from his cabinet is an Olympic gold singles medal. He really, really wants it. So I think he's thinking, you know what? Let's stay out of all this controversy. Let's start next year. Maybe one more run at Wimbledon and then try and get the gold in Tokyo. Well, Gigi, we know the ATP tour is shut down until at least the end of July because of the pandemic. With the US Open scheduled to start on 31st of August, and the French Open beginning on 20th September. Is tennis keeping the plan? It seems like they've now pushed it a date, uh, pushed it, sorry, a week from the date they initially set. So it'll be the 27th of September the French Open would start. They're making very positive noises. The test case, the guinea pig is the US Open. There will be no fans at the US Open. There could be some fans at Roland Garros. Madrid and Rome, the clay tournaments, they've been put in before Roland Garros. It's going to be busy. It's going to be hectic. But all eyes on and all ears Does the US Open go ahead in its slot in New York in August? And that will tell us a lot about how the rest of the year will look. Thanks, Gigi. Gigi Simon is a tennis commentator for the BBC. Okay, all right, you hear that? You're wondering if there's going to be a quiz. There's no quiz, actually. (laughs) And it's great to know most of you keep enjoying the rebroadcasts of the... Locker room, UEFA Champions League quiz. Well, we'll see. Uh, Gary, I'm sure we're probably going to have this again. Uh, but join me in the studio is Oreku Ampofo. Oreku, how are you doing? I'm good, George. One of the few guys who were very excited that the La Liga is back. 
and um, I'm sure you're waiting for League A to be back, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is not possible. You can only wait for the Champions League to see your Neymar play again. But Oriel Kwampofu joins me, and it's a special segment on the show. He's going to be telling me about the key things that will happen in this season's Spanish La Liga. Are you excited? How? What did you make of that Real Betis uh, Sevilla game first? I think it was it was the right game to set the tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that derby has always been fierce and has a, a history over the years. And I think they didn't disappoint yesterday. You could clearly see from the excitement uh, from the fans. I think that you know adding the quote-unquote fake fans to yeah. the stadium yeah. did have an effect on yeah. the game yeah. and Sevilla winning at home there so hopefully we does set the tone for a good remainder of the La Liga season Alright, so let's go to your top three things that are going to happen in La Liga <laughs> What's the first? I think currently uh, the most uh, attractive thing about La Liga would be the title race as they head back where 11 games are set to be played uh, the difference between Barcelona and Real Madrid is just two points uh, with Lionel Messi's side currently on top now the big question remains as to how the season will end and who would finish up top and uh, I think that it would go all the way between the two teams Real Madrid have welcomed uh, Edin Hazard and Asensio who had long layoff injuries so it's been a blessing for them in terms of fixture difficulty you do think that Barcelona having to go away to Sevilla and Villarreal and still play Atletico Madrid and uh, face Espanyol at home would be a bit tricky but both teams play seven similar teams so it would really go down the way Barcelona knowing they just have to match Real Madrid's results to win the league but a fun fact is that Lionel Messi or a team with Lionel Messi has won 10 of the last 15 La Liga seasons so Barcelona do have a locker within their ranks so Barcelona win the league for you I think it will go down to the last day. It will go down to the last day. Critical. So it's not that clear. Guys, there's a special announcement for you. And by now, you're seeing that we've got live commentary on the Spanish La Liga here. Enjoy 99.7 FM. Telling you the season. Rick, what's the next point? The next point is the Pichichi race, which I think is all by rubbed up. Lionel Messi currently sits up top with 19 goals. And he is five club of Karim Benzema. And after Benzema, you do have a host of names who sit on 11 goals. I think that the gap is too big. And, you know, for Lionel Messi, his closest competitor is Benzema. And if you look at these two players, I think that Barcelona depend more on Messi. So he might end up getting more chances. Benzema has to probably share the goal scoring responsibilities at Real Madrid. And with the games packed, uh, you would expect Benzema to be probably rotated more mm. because he has to fight for a place where the likes of Mariano and you know all these other strikers Jovic and all that so Zidane might want to give them more time but Setien does not have the luxury he has to play Lionel Messi so I think that Messi would come up tops in terms of the Golden Bull race alright so Messi wins that and what's your final one? the final one has to do with Atletico Madrid and uh, they've had a good Champions League season but in terms of their domestic uh you know, fate has not been good so far. They mm-hmm. currently sit, sit just one point behind Real Sociedad in that fourth place, uh, the race for the Champions League. They're fighting out with Hetafe and Sevilla, and it's just about eight points separating Sevilla, who are third, and Valencia, who are seventh. Um, and uh, Sevilla do have a they've played a game more so it could be a race to keep an eye on but Atletico Madrid I think would have to qualify by no means would they uh, you know have a chance or even think of not qualifying for the Champions League and that's because of uh, their financial crisis that they've been going through as a club and you know due to this pandemic 
you know, prior to this pandemic, they were already going through enough mm. crisis, having mm. to invest 126 million in Joao Felix. And now the, the players and the coach had to take a 70% pay cut, uh, you know, due to the coronavirus. So there is a financial hit and not qualifying for the Champions League would be a bigger financial yeah. hit. So they do have to qualify. And I think that they would. You think they will qualify? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.